Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's like reading the best true crime story you've ever read, and you just can't put it down. And that, to me, is how people really can enter into the psychology of how this master manipulator, groomer, did that not just to the child, but to the parents, to the siblings, to the congregation, to the community, to the neighbors. Everybody loved him and trusted him. And that's what you want to see through so that you can have that little spidey sense on the back of your neck or that little thing that hits your gut for a brief second. And instead of dismissing it the next second and saying, oh, that's not possible. That's our, you know, he got school teacher of the year last year. Or, oh, that's not possible. She's everybody's favorite aunt. She takes the kids to the movies all the time. It's not possible. You know, instead, don't do that. And look and watch and see how your child responds because it's so subtle. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls. And the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you. What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are. 
Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story, what happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome back to the podcast. Last week, we heard the incredible true story of Jan Broberg and how she was kidnapped twice by a man called Robert Birchtold. This man was a sociopath and highly, highly manipulative, to say the very least. He was living pretty much in a parallel universe and creating this world around Jan's entire family so that when he abducted her, it would make it easy. What Jan wants you to understand is that there are often no big red flags in this kind of scenario. When somebody is this manipulative, it can be impossible to recognize. Jan talks about this and about those times when you get that gut feeling that something isn't right. You need to take notice of that. This is something every parent needs to hear. Please do check the show notes for links to Jan's book, The Jan Broberg Story, her community for child abuse survivors called Thrivivors, and her podcast, The Jan Broberg Show. Plus, also, you've got to check out the Peacock Limited series called A Friend of the Family, starring Anna Paquin, Colin Hanks, and Jake Lacey, which tells the entire story over nine episodes. Please join me now for part two of Jan's story. And so I felt alone. I felt so lonely. That was the biggest thing. And I felt fear. I felt fear almost 100% of the time because I thought I was being watched and I never knew when the aliens were going to show up again or tell me to do something. And it was fear. Those two emotions were with me all the time for those those four years. You know, it makes me cry today because I would feel so sad for some other, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 year old to be so lonely and to be so afraid all the time, you know, so that's really why I, I mean, and we can talk about that next, but you know, that's why I'm starting a foundation. That's why my family told the story with such transparency and honesty in our, in our newest book, The Jan Broberg Story. It's so transparent. There's so much detail that others have, have along the way said, you know, telling your story, I feel like I have words to tell my story, to tell my mom what my stepdad did, to tell somebody what my priest did or what my favorite school teacher actually was doing, you know, and that really is why I keep telling my story because somehow we've got to take the air out of these stories that are so close to home and talk because nothing good comes with the secrets. I was just going to say it's all about the secrets, isn't it? Because when you're in that Mm -hmm. situation, you were just holding so many 
secrets inside and you weren't even allowed to have a relationship with your dad. I think you were told to keep away from your dad. You were, yeah. you know, there were so many rules that you were trying to follow. And as a little girl, I mean, my heart just, oh, just, it's Aww. just so hard. And just even, I know there's this whole other side of this story, which we won't go into because I think people need to get your book, but you know, it's it's really the point of view of your parents and everything that they went through and all of the yes. manipulation that they went through. But I know yes, that because the book is told from my mother's point of view yeah. with a lot of additional things that my sisters and I were able to add into that point of view so that she could tell the story even more fully than we ever have before. Because I think the bravery of them being so raw to admit their mistakes and what they did and how they were manipulated and how they made terrible mistakes that they feel, I feel like my dad never forgave himself for the masturbation experience with Birch Told. He never, he never could forgive himself. He said, I was an adult man, but Birch Told made you feel like you were 15, yeah. 16 years old. And, and, you know, and he's begging for help, you know, and it's just... It's just so sad because I have such lovely parents that if anyone during that documentary period of time were pointing their fingers at my parents, it just killed me and my sisters and my cousins and on both sides of the family and aunts and uncles. We all we all know what wonderful people. And to me, they were so brave to be so brutally honest mm, and not hide anything. And they were like, look, I even told my dad, I said, dad. Maybe I can make the filmmaker take that part out because that's not who you are. That was a one-time thing. And my dad was like, it doesn't matter because if somebody sees someone for who they are, if they can see that, ooh, somebody is leading me down a road, maybe they're manipulating me beyond just, you know, human, you know, humans make mistakes. We all have something, yeah. some dirty secret in our closet that we don't tell the whole world about. We've all been there. We've all done it. Something. Most people, at least, I don't think any of us have ascended. <laughs> no, I think we're all pretty, pretty human. I've done some things that I'm like, yeah, I'm not telling the whole world about that, you know. And and so I just feel like they were so brave. And they and in reading the story, when you get all of those details, and it's real, it's a page turner. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not. Um, it's not like reading a textbook. It's like reading the best true crime story you've ever read, and you just can't put it down and that to me is how people really can enter into the psychology of how this master manipulator groomer did that not just to the child but to the parents to the siblings to the congregation to the community to the neighbors everybody loved him and trusted him and that's what you want to see through so that you can have that little spidey sense on the back of your neck or that little thing that hits your gut for a brief second. And instead of dismissing it the next second and saying, oh, that's not possible. That's our, you know, he got school teacher of the year last year. Or, oh, that's not possible. She's everybody's favorite aunt. She takes the kids to the movies all the time. It's not possible. You know, instead, don't do that. And look. And watch and see how your child responds because it's so subtle. I don't like the term red flags. It's so subtle, but they slowly just lead you right, right to where they want you and you don't even see it. Yeah. And it's terrifying when you see the, 
detail and the depth of what was planned and how far mm-hmm. out it was planned. You know, it's just it's sickening really. But I do want to just take a, a second just to honour your parents because I have to admit when I watched the documentary, I was feeling a little bit angry <laughs> with them. Oh, I yes. was like, oh, my gosh, what are you? Yeah. What were you doing? Um, but mm-hmm. we have to remember, you know, I mean, they look like just, like you said, amazing humans. You had a beautiful childhood. Not many people can say that. You know, most of us have. So there's, there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on in a lot of childhoods. You had a beautiful childhood. Mm-hmm. These were trusting, beautiful humans who lived in a time when we didn't even know really the word pedophile. We didn't know grooming. Um, there was a no. lot of trust there and they were just beautiful, trusting humans and they didn't get it mm-hmm. right but right. it's not their this is not about them you know it's it's their yeah. it's about another person and and we don't need to give them any blame for this because you know that they've already yeah, there's one perpetrator in this story and, and it's not them <laughs> absolutely yeah. absolutely and i think in most stories i think that's really important because you can't you can't blame a person for what they don't know they don't know mm. You, you just can't. Oh, or we would all be so filled with shame and guilt every second of every day that we couldn't cope yeah. because we learn as we go. Nobody hands you a textbook when you become a new parent. I mean, I wish, you know, you try to read some good books. You try to do the best you can. But you're, you know, it's it's true. We, I think that's a big part of what I've learned about why telling stories is so important because when you can help people focus on where the blame lies and you can help listen to a a survivor's story in a way where you are not communicating blame, shame, but only that you believe them and you take them for where they were at, you know, especially with children children don't even have the power with their brain development to differentiate between, you know, certain things. It doesn't happen until you're 25, 25 to 29 before that frontal lobe is developed enough where you can understand, you know, long-term consequence. That's why teenagers walk out into the middle of traffic and think they're not going to get hit by a car their brain isn't developed enough to go oh there could be a bad consequence here (laughs) you know I think that's important to remember because what what survivors need is they need to be believed and never have that look of hmm what were you wearing or nothing like that they have to feel completely safe with you and that parent who their child tries to tell them something, they're testing the water. And if you don't immediately embrace them and say, what, what, sweetheart, you're not in trouble, you know, because they don't have the language. They don't even know if what they're about to say is a bad thing or, or not. They're still learning the world. So you got to learn, we as adults need to really learn how to be very compassionate and empathetic and we need to learn how to listen beyond just our ears mm-hmm. we listen with our with our intuition and our and our hearts and and our guts mm-hmm. listen to your gut we just have to i think as women we we sometimes second guess ourselves way too much if you have something hit your gut 
you should look further. And people often say, well, what do we do? I said, well, you look. And then if you think there's something, I know in the state of Utah, where I live now, I don't know if Idaho was this way when where I grew up, but in this state, it's a mandatory reporting state. Like even if you suspect there is child neglect or abuse or domestic violence, and you've never actually seen it, you are supposed to report that because if those if that name sits in a file, what if there was somebody else who had done the same thing? Yeah. Reported, like something's wrong over in this, from, you know, now all of a sudden you have two people. We don't do that. We need to make it easier. That's one of the things I want to change is how do we, how do we do a report really easy from our, you know, the comfort of our home. It's scary to walk into a police department. It's scary to do that. And you can remain anonymous. Yeah. You you know, so anyway, these are and now I'm getting off in the weeds. No, More no. about the story. What else do I, you want to know? <laughs> I think it's really important because in everything you've just said, it is about if a child comes to you with something and, and I've heard this over and over listening to these stories on my podcast, kids have gone and, and have actually asked for help finally and nobody's listened. So right. let's listen and why do you think I, I think we touched on this at the beginning, but why do you think he chose you? What was it? Like your personality was obviously, you know, he saw something there that was easier right. to manipulate than perhaps another child. Yeah, I think because I was, um, I started, I had my first, like I was saying earlier, I auditioned for my first play, my other wonderful neighbor, Elaine Hoffman, who who got the part of Maria in The Sound of Music, and she knew I loved to sing and different things. She was our, our next-door neighbor as well, right there across the street, and and had kids that we played with. And she took me down, and we auditioned for the summer musical, and I got the part of Little Gretel, the littlest girl. And from that moment on, I always was very good being around adults. I just had that personality because I wanted to get the part in the play, <laughs> you know, and I was, and I was a people pleaser. I think that they target maybe kids that can be around adults and try to please the adults in their life so that they can, you know, do more. I mean, for me, it was doing theater. And so they, I think that he had like this sense, like she's not only a people pleaser, but she wants the adults to be, um, you know, she can be around adults and, and, and talk about adult things. And yet she's tiny. She's probably not going to hit puberty for a long time because he didn't want that. And I think he saw my parents with their wide open, loving arms and accepting his family into, you know, let's let's get together. You know, it took a few months before we actually got together. They moved, I think, in the summertime and we didn't really have our first big, you know, get together. We had a big picnic on the living room floor of their house and uh, and we had a little talent show. And, and, you know, it was just like that's what we did and food was great his wife was a wonderful cook as i was helping the series that um, is coming out on peacock on october 6th the first three episodes of a nine-part series that is based on our family's story um they were like we want real things do you have any real things in your stuff so i said oh well, they wanted real meals like what what were you eating you know in the 19 in 1972 three four <laughs> so i start going through my mom's recipe you know a card file and there it was, 
recipes with her name at the top. It was her recipe, his wife's recipes for, she was a wonderful cook. And so was my mom. And, you know, they swapped recipes and we, we made, I learned how to paint ceramics over at her house because she had this big kitchen and big tables. And I mean, it's just like, it could have just been Camelot. And for most other people, maybe they, they, they didn't have a predator among them, but in our case, he was a criminal pedophile. And so it it was just unfortunate. But that's I can I can reframe and recreate my childhood at any age. I've learned how to do it so that I can handle and manage my trauma. You know, that beautiful, perfect record. I always say we're born with this beautiful music, this record, and that's our personality and who we are. And then somebody comes along and puts this great big scratch on it. And the scratch doesn't go away, but you can get really good at lifting up the needle and moving it past the scratch. And you'll have to do that over and over and over again during your life, but you can still hear your beautiful music. You can still have your happy childhood. You just concentrate on the things that were good and the things that are good and possible now in your life and you just move forward and you find healers to help you you find your path it's not easy but it can I I I want people to have hope I don't want everyone running around and never trusting anyone and never having any close relationships that would be terrible (laughs) that's all we take with us is our wonderful relationships and just be a little more discerning watch. Don't just dismiss something that feels funny for five seconds and then be like, oh, that's impossible. He's my priest. You know, that can't happen. You know, that's all. I think that's my message. But my my bigger message is there is hope. There is hope. And we have to just continue grasping for that and finding our path and finding the healers, the therapists, the medications, the experiences, you know, the modalities, the self-help books, the Oprah Winfrey shows, whatever it is that's going to help us, you know, become happier and healthier human beings. Yoga, Tai Chi, I don't know. There's a million things to try. Mm. And let's help each other try instead of giving up yeah it's it's an amazing message because i think a lot of people who've had any kind of experience like that you know it's so hard to see the way through just in terms of your family Mm -hmm. obviously the the trust and everything would have broken down have you been able to heal those relationships oh yes yes luckily like like i said i don't know how how much harder it would be for someone who has experienced this kind of abuse from their a family member or their parent that just seems so diabolically awful but i i want to stand in hope that they too can find their happy their happy childhood at, at a different age and stage in life and stand for that but for me i had those years of really happy, happy childhood memories and times with my sisters, you know, my best friend, uh, my mom and dad, they were all there before this happened. And they were all very important parts of my 
coming back into healing. And even though there were times I was angry that this happened to me, or I was, when I wrote a paper in my English class in college, and they said, pick one event in your life and write about this like this 20 page you know paper and I got way into it and it was uh, you know the the first kidnapping and leading up to that and there were moments where I'd call my parents you know on the rotary dial phone <laughs> so on the wall and they'd mom would answer hello Brobergs and I'd say mom you got to tell me how is it that you could have not seen this and you know it was even before she had really gone into detail about what her, what had happened I knew things had happened with my dad and my mom just by things they had said but not details and I never talked about the details of the sexual I think the only thing I said is well you know it's icky stuff it's touching and blah, you know and that's about all I ever said until I got much older and we're writing the book and then all of a sudden the extent of oh yes he was raping me you know every day you know this happened 200 times or whatever over these four years and my mother and you know had no real it was just like so heartbreaking I mean she knew but she didn't she hadn't heard the words from me in such graphic terms and that was another huge leap in our healing but but even back in my college days my early 20s there were a few times I was angry I didn't want this to have been my experience. I, you know, I, I, I did my, you know, my yelling, but my parents were so amazing because what they did is listen and they never defended themselves. They just went, we were so naive. We didn't know. We were so sorry. We love you with all our hearts, you know? So that's what I got. Some people don't get that from their parents or it was a parent. And I'm like, Maybe I can be that person for them. Come to my online community at the foundation at thejambrobergfoundation.org. Share your story and be a part of our online community of, of uh, you know, we have some really great things that are going to be happening there in that online community. And, you know, therapy and, and various um, programs to help people, you know, heal. And when they don't have the family support like I did, we hope to be like that. We can be somewhat of that support for people because you have to have a place to heal. You have to have somewhere to go where people believe you and they and they support you in a way that you can feel love again and joy because so many people just shut those things down. They just don't feel those things anymore, you know. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. 
tell us about the foundation then. So who is it for? So really the foundation is for survivors who have survived, you know, child abuse of any kind really, or even if they weren't a child, they could come to that because so much of young, you know, even when we're young adults, we still are being manipulated and harmed by people that a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a something, you know, in our lives that we need to feel, um, we need to feel that community around us that supports us. So it, it's anyone that has had any experience like that. And then also family members who also are traumatized, not in the same way, but they are definitely, when they were groomed and they missed something, they also experienced huge trauma and nobody ever talks about that. Like, I think that is a, a really um, important aspect. Like my sisters have both said, you know, we want to start a book club where we read chapters of our book and then we let people you know, like maybe we do it live, like some kind of a live thing. And then people can ask questions because it's not just me that was harmed. It was, they were harmed. My parents were harmed. We were all groomed. And so anyone, even a partner today, you know, that has somebody they're married to or their partner went through some sort of abuse, they're experiencing trauma because they love this person. Maybe they're, you know, their life together is taking some, you know, deep dives and turns and because they don't know how to deal with someone who has survived this kind of trauma. They don't know what to do. So that person could come to the online community because there will be resources for all people around that kind of trauma, even if it wasn't the victim or the survivor themselves. That's what it's for. It's really like AA and Al-Anon, except for sexual assault survivors and their family members or their loved ones or their friends who support them. How can I help this person? How can I survive their trauma? It affects my life. <laughs> and I need to know what I can do, you know? It, it's, it's, a, it's a bigger picture than just the, the survivor. And so we call it Thrivivors, people that want to thrive, want to reclaim their happy childhood, want to get on the path to their healing, that's who the online community is for. And the foundation has resources and will continue to roll out resources over the next several months. You know, it's, it's something that is brand new, but we are, we are deep in those conversations of what are the best things we can do to help um, people come into their, their happy childhood at the age they are right now or help them on their, on their understanding of their trauma and how to heal you know, one step at a time and have community around that. That's really what it's for. And then the book is out there. It's on Amazon.com, The Jam Broberg Story. I hope people will order it. We're trying to, you know, get as many pre-orders as we can so it can, you know, catch on. You know, we just know that telling our story is just one piece in telling many other stories, which is why we have a podcast also. I think you knew about that before we started. So, the Jan Broberg Show is our podcast, and again, we tell survivor stories. We're going to be doing a bunch of stories with my family to go deep dive into some of these questions, like what you've been um, asking me about, and especially as it relates to the series that is coming out and how we can, we'll have stars that are 
playing the parts on the series that will be on our podcast and people in the production team. It's going to be really, uh, it's going to be a really fun few months as we launch those stories. And then we still will continue to tell survivor stories, have experts on. Again, it's all about healing. It's all about community and understanding, you know, trauma, what happened to us and how all of us can take leaps into healing, healing our relationships, healing ourselves. Um, that's really what we're all about. That's why we have all these things going. We want to help. We're like, hey, if we survived, maybe we can figure out a way to help. So that's yeah, that's kind of the goal for all of us in my family. <laughs> yeah, it's an incredible mission that you've got. And I just love the sound of all of this. You know, the world needs a lot more of this. The, the foundation sounds amazing, the community. And, of course, this mini-series has Anna Paquin and... Um, yes, she's playing my mother. Anna Paquin is my is my mom. Yeah. She's and so good. And Colin Hanks is playing my dad, and he's so terrific. Jake Lacey plays um, Robert Birchtold, and he's amazing. And they've all been so wonderful, and I've I've had the privilege of... of helping produce it so that it would be as realistic as possible. And they've all been so open to the message and the, the, there's no caricatures being portrayed. They're real people and they've done a marvelous job as actors bringing their own life experiences and their marvelous talents. And I'm so excited about it. It's very fun. And now they're going to do some of our podcasts and then McKenna Grace and Hendrix Yancey play me as you know, Jan in the teenage years and in the younger Jan, and they're both phenomenal young actresses with emotional intelligence out the wazoo. They're so smart, and they care, and they have those phones now in their hands where they can they can make an impact out there in the world. They can literally get on there and say, hey, you know what? We're not going to let this happen anymore. They have such power, you know, and so I'm thrilled that those were the two young actresses chosen to play me because they are all about you know social issues and justice and and awareness I just can't get over how smart they are yeah, it's a whole <laughs> nother know, world. and in a good way it's a whole nother world is. now isn't it when you think about it, it is what life was it like is. in the 70s and what we know now the information that we have now I mean it sounds right it's it, it is incredible can you tell us yeah. what happened to Robert so long long story with many stories in between he didn't just leave us alone uh after 1976 after my second kidnapping and after i turned 16 in 1978 when i turned 16 i thought oh no i haven't had the child to save the dying planet my sister's going to be taken i'm going to be vaporized what happened is i basically had an experience where a boy at a theater camp bought my ice cream and I thought for sure I would die that night by I would be vaporized well that didn't happen and so I started down a path of questioning before I tell Susan about the mission and if she doesn't want to do it I know where dad has his gun I'll kill her and then I'll kill myself because that's got to be better than being vaporized vaporized alive um I started to test and I went to a dance with a boy and when I came home and dad was sitting in his chair, I was like, oh my gosh, my dad is still here. He's not dead. 
My sister is in bed asleep. She's not dead. Karen's asleep in her bed. She's not blind. I'm standing here. I think this might not be true. And then it took me months, uh, you know, it took me some time to get to the point where my best friend Caroline and Karen one night just dragged it out of me. And after that, you know, many details were not told or were left out. But in my college years, Birch told found me, called me on the telephone. And my roommate, my a, another dear friend of mine, Jan, Jan Hull, answered the phone. And she was like, he says that it's Bert, it's Robert Birchtold and he B that he needs to talk to you. And I get on the phone and I'm like shaking. So that's one experience. And he tells me he's getting remarried and that I need to write a letter so that he can get our marriage, which I was not there. There was, it was a fake marriage certificate that he got in Mexico when I'm 12. But I have to write a letter, you know, because now he's, and then months Later, he calls again. I've moved apartments. He finds me again. He writes this letter and sends it to my apartment. Well, I decided not to marry this person because I've had my one true love. And and every person only gets one true love in their life. And that was you. And so that happens. And then later, years later, I'm working at Disney World and I live in Florida and I'm an entertainer at Disney World. And I get a call to come in that he said something to my bishop, who's like the leader of the little group of your ward, right? Your little uh, congregation. And he says, there's a man that says he he wants to get married and he needs your permission because he did something bad. And so he wants to go get married in one of our temples. You know, it's like a beautiful temple, eternal marriage kind of thing. And I'm like, he said he hurt me as a little girl once, or did he mention the 200 times or more that he raped me? And, you know, my poor bishop was like, uh, <laughs> you know, okay, well, I'll, I'll tell them. But anyway, he finds me again. Then he comes to a conference that I'm giving, you know, fast forward some years. I've, I've got my picture on a poster, and he finds out I'm giving a conference and that mom and I have self-published a small book based on our story so that we have something to give out when we get asked to speak at these speaking engagements you know this is before the book that we have now and and uh he starts threatening the university i'm supposed to speak to about a thousand women and their daughters who are university students and talk about how do you tell what a predator looks like when it looks like your best friend someone close to you and he shows up at that conference in a van with a gun and he never makes it inside but I ended up on Good Morning America with Diane Sawyer. This is 2004. So there are many examples. He came to Pocatello when my mother became a social worker and put these one-page letters on their car, their cars about, you know, Marianne Broberg is a slut and she's got all these, you know, these, these hidden secrets. And, of course, my mom and I had been giving speaking engagements to anybody who wanted us, never for, you know, pay, just because we'd go tell our story and have Q&As. My mother had been very transparent about what had happened. And, and so he's trying to, to um, discourage people from, you know, reading our book or our story and, I mean, there were threats from him throughout our lives. And the final one is that speaking engagement at that college. And after that, it went to trial. In That was in 2004. In 2006, it went to trial, and he was found guilty on, you know, three or four felony charges and a misdemeanor or two. 
that were nothing to do with raping little girls. By this time, I know of two others, at least two, and then since that time, I I know of four others that were also raped by him. And so I know others. I've heard their stories and how similar he worked on their mothers and how he married her and then abused both of her daughters who ran away from home. So I know other stories now. I, it's not just my own. And so when he showed up at that conference and I was on Good Morning America, I said, look, not only have I always felt I should tell my story, but now I know I have to tell my story because this is never, hardly ever a one-time thing. It's more than one child. It happened before me and it has happened after me at least this many times. And so from that point on, about two years later, he was convicted for those charges and he... Um, left the courtroom. I can't remember the exact circumstances. I wasn't there, but they, the charges were, you know, he was a registered sex offender and he held, had a gun and he brandished the gun at a, a police officer that was at the, you know, whatever. I don't remember what they were, but he left the courtroom and, and was being sentenced a month later. He had a heart condition and they released him to go back to Nevada, which is where he was, was from. Um, and he took off in his truck and went out into a campground and took a bottle of pills and um, a bottle of Kahlua to wash them down, and he killed himself in 2006. Wow. So that's how that ended. Wow. Yeah. I cannot believe that he continued to do that. I mean, you feel like he should have been put away, like, all those years ago. What was he still doing? <laughs> It's just crazy. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and I know the reason that he was not coming around and sending me so many messages and whatever. As I was turning 16, he'd kind of, you know, we were supposed to meet up at this theater camp, and it never happened. And then I'm not hearing from him. It's because he'd already, he had already met uh, a single mother and, he'd all, and knew she had a 9-year-old. He'd already targeted the next person the next little girl. And I know that because I've now gone to meet her. And yes, and there will be, there will be some of her story in this um, documentary that Peacock has, has been uh, working on that will also come out during the nine part series that starts on Peacock on October 6th. This documentary piece about my journey from the 70s to who I am today and and also be able to tell a little bit of another story of the girl that was right after me, which is a heartbreaking story as well. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness, Jen. I know we have to wrap this up. I mean, we could I could talk right. to you for three weeks <laughs> and not stop. But um, Well, what, maybe I'll come and visit you in beautiful, in your beautiful, beautiful... Oh, I, I've been there one time. Have you in Sydney? Did you know yeah. that? No. I have. I've been to Sydney one time oh, when yes. I was performing with a performing group in college. And we went to Sydney and we got to perform there in Sydney, Australia. It oh, was so oh, incredible. I would love, love for you to come back. That would be so amazing. <laughs> Can you just tell us, just for everybody listening, how are you today? Yes. I know it sounds like you've done so much healing. You talked about lifting the the record player over the scratch which I love that analogy but 
how are you today in yourself? You know, I really am doing very, very well. You know, I've had lots of other, you know, challenges, probably mostly based on the trauma that I experienced. You know, I've I've been married a few times and divorced a few times and, you know, helped raise some, you know, stepdaughters along the way. And, and you know, it's life continues to teach you things and you have to continually stand for your health and your healing and your path and know that not every day is going to be sunshine and roses. But, but I... I do feel very hopeful. I feel very happy 90% of the time. And I, I someday want to write another book that is like the process of getting into the 90%, which is the rest of your life, that that 10%, you can let it overcome you. You could let it mushroom into, oh, that 10% experience is now consuming 20, 30, 40, 50% of my, of my life instead of going, no. That was a 10% experience. I'm going to figure out how to get back into the 90%, which is the rest of my life, the place where I am the creator. I am in control of my experiences for the most part, uh, especially as an adult. And so that's really where I'm at. I, I want to now really go full time into helping others with that journey with their healing with telling their stories um you know that's that's what i that's why i'm doing what i'm doing right now and starting the foundation the book the podcast and if i can make a difference for you know one person that they feel hopeful or they start on their healing path and that and that allows them to influence their whole world that their children you know don't have to go through the the same thing that they did and that they don't have to pass that trauma on to the next generation that they can stop it it's so hard to prosecute someone that's in your family or your close in a close friend but if we don't talk about these things and we don't bring it out of the dark that perpetrator is just going to find another child and another and another. The FBI statistics are about 30 to 70 children over the course of the life of a criminal pedophile who is acting out on, yeah, that's the numbers. It's huge. It's, it's huge. That's why when people say it's one in four girls, it's one in six boys that have been sexually assaulted by someone familiar to them. 97% of the time, it's only 3% that have what you would call stranger or almost a stranger, almost 97%. It's someone that is acquainted yeah. with the family or it's in the family. We don't talk about those stories and we don't prosecute people. And that has to change. It's, it's terrifying, that statistic. And the fact that you had a family that was supportive, because I know a lot of people, you know, they'll they'll finally, like we said before, they will come forward. They don't, mm -hmm. and they actually often have a family turn against them because it's a secret and nobody wants right. to know about it, right? So that's right. Yeah, it's very difficult. But I love, you've definitely got to write the book about the 90% because that is <laughs> okay. exactly it. I mean, I, I hear people all day, every day, and they are, they're stuck in the 10% and that 10% becomes their whole life 
and oh, they, consuming. they yeah. can't get out of it. Jen, right. oh my gosh, it has been oh. such um, an honour to speak to you today. Your story is incredible. The fact that this guy <laughs> was still there all those years, that's like, I don't even know. Oh, how you, wow, how Dawn. you're so sane. <laughs> you're so sane. You're incredible. <laughs> I will put all of the links in the show notes to the book, the podcast, the foundation, the community, and of course, the amazing series, which everybody yes. needs to watch. Thank you so much for sharing everything with me today. You're just oh, such Dawn, a beautiful I'm human. thrilled. Thank you so much for being here. Thank and, you. Um, and I'm, you too. You're doing great work with what you do on this podcast. People need a place to talk through something and then maybe they can examine it. Maybe then when it's outside of their body, that's why this is such an important thing. They can go, okay, wait, it's outside of me. Maybe I can examine things. I can name things and I can find a way to heal, to get on the path because I just think that's a real gift when we give people voice, yes. giving them voice. It's a huge gift. So yeah. keep up all the fantastic work that you're doing too, Don. And maybe someday we really will meet up again. I am definitely coming back to Australia someday. <laughs> Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at My Big Love Project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week.